Welcome into the Fumbling Punter Podcast. I'm your host, Devin Keeney. And I'm Lucas Jones. Which, as you know, means it is baseball preview time. We have knocked out the National League, and we are getting ready to get started into the American League. And we're going to start the American League with the big money uh, division of baseball, and has been for the last 10 or 15 years, the American League East. Lucas, do you have any notes on the American League East before we get into our teams? Uh, it, I, I expect it to be competitive once again. Um, I, I do think, just I'll go ahead and throw this out there, I do think the Red Sox are by far the best team. Um, but uh, as we discussed earlier before we started this podcast, that this is the league, uh, the division that anything could happen. And I really do think so. I mean, even the Yankees, who are in the middle of a retooling um who knows? They could make a wild card run. They got close last year. Yeah. Um, the Rays, they are perennial. Uh, I don't want to say they're underrated or overrated. I just think they they have just enough offense, and if their pitching is what they think it's going to be, they could make a surprise run. And Pakota's really liked uh, Tampa. Yeah, and I think that a lot of Pakota's projection with Tampa has to do with their pitching projection, and they're a generally good defensive team. Led by Kevin Kiermaier yeah. in center field, he's phenomenal center fielder defensively, and his bat's coming around. So uh, we'll get more into that, but I do think this division will be fun to watch. Yeah, and we all know the Pakota's projections are kind of bullshit too. So. Yeah, so you know, and again, we'll see lots of Yankees Red Sox games on ESPN and Major League Network. They feel like every. That's the biggest rival in baseball. That and you know what? It might draw their biggest ratings just because of how populated the East Coast is. But let's be honest: we all know the biggest rival in baseball right now is Cubs Cardinals. Oh, I would I would rather watch the Dodgers Giants than I would Yankees Red Sox right now. No, I agree. And part of that is they are huge rivals, and the second part of that is they're National League teams, which we just that's what we grew up around, and that's what we. Pretty much, I'm not. I prefer National League baseball to American League baseball. I just do. Which is a nice segue into talking about all of the American League. <laughs> exactly. Um, because before this, I thought you know maybe we should have a quick debate about the DH. Like, but there there wouldn't be anything fun to debate because we both hate it. Yeah. So we can't debate think, it. So I guess yeah. we both can just rant about how keep the DH out of the National League. I'm cool with the American League having it. I think it's been there long enough. Obviously, since I think the 70s, that it's been there so long that I don't want to take it away. I just don't think it should be added. I think it it makes the leagues a little more distinct in the era that the leagues try to blend. And I don't like that. I like the American League National League rivalry. That's why I hope expansion happens and we get 32 teams. So there can only be so you only have you know maybe two or three series with you know go back to where June was your interleague month, and that's it. Lucas, you are just it's like we have the same baseball mind. <laughs> so actually, on uh, Wednesday the twenty second, I was going to do a podcast dedicated to uh, expansion and relocation in all four major sports. Uh, and that was going to be my big thing with baseball was you need a team, another team in the National League, another team in the American League, so you can take away year-round interleague play because I hate it and it needs to go away. I do too, and the thing is, I wouldn't even, 
I wouldn't even mind there not being interleague play. That way, the American League, you only see the National League in the All-Star game, which now counts again, uh, or doesn't count for anything, which to me makes it more accountable because, hey, we're not playing for anything. Now we're in without other interleague play. It's like, here's our chance. I was listening to Pete Rose talk about it. He's like, man, he's like, we love the All-Star game because we hated the other league. His yeah. National League players, like, we hated the American League. That was the World Series and the All-Star game was our chance to crush the uh, the opposition, the other league. And I think it'd be sweet if we could get back to that where, yeah, home field advantage ain't decided by the All-Star game. I just want to beat these guys because they're the American League or because they're the National League. Uh, I don't know if it would come to that because everyone's all worried about getting hurt and big contracts now. But I just think year-round <laughs> interleague play diminishes uh, the game. I just... I don't like it. Not a fan. I agree completely. I didn't have a problem with two weeks of it. I thought that was fun. But, I mean, I'm not – so I don't know that I would go as far as to say completely to hell with interleague play. Right, right. But, I I mean, two weeks max. Maybe you do a week in June, a week in July, or the start of August. Because, you know, it is fun seeing the uh, Royals versus Cardinals, Cubs versus – White, White Sox. Sox, Mets versus Yankees, uh, Dodgers versus Angels. Now every every city don't have have someone like that, especially with the Astros and Rangers being in the same division now. But that could change with expansion. So you know. yeah, you get Dodgers, Angels uh, up north. I know they're pretty passionate about uh, Twins Brewers. Yeah, I mean that. I mean that regionally makes sense. Pirates, Phillies. Um, if Montreal gets a team back in expansion, you'll have Montreal, Toronto. Um, so I don't know. There's lots of things baseball can do. They're making money now. It's I think they are going to expand, and I don't think. I, and Rob Manfred's been pretty open about he don't want the DH come to the National League. The players, I think they kind of want it because that is 15 more jobs for the older guys that you know, guys that hit dingers can't really play defense anymore. Yeah. But you know what? That's part of the game. So. Learn to play defense. Yeah, so let's go ahead and get in to our Boston Red Sox preview. Uh, the Red Sox made a pretty big splash this offseason by going to get Chris Sale. Lucas, do you have uh, you know, David Ortiz retired? This will be the first time in, holy cow, I don't know, 15 years, years. that uh, David Ortiz ha- isn't going to be at the DH spot for the Red Sox. So, Lucas, do you have any more uh, moves to note, or do you want to get right into the lineups? Well, Dave Dombrowski took over the Red Sox, and his big thing in his career has been he's not afraid to trade. He's made tons of moves with the Tigers. You know, the Tigers are kind of in, you know, and we'll touch on it in the Central podcast. But Dave Dombrowski spends money, and he makes trades, and sometimes it works out. The Tigers made the playoffs a bunch, went to a World Series. But, you know, sometimes it can leave you in hell after a long time doing that. And right now, he, you know, he traded Yon Mankata, the number one prospect in baseball, and Michael Klopech, uh, who, Klopik, something like that, can't pronounce his name, but he throws 105 miles an hour. So, the Red Sox, uh, they traded two highly touted prospects for Chris Sale, and honestly, worth it because they're going for a World Series win, so... Yeah, and the Red Sox have been able to uh, develop some homegrown talent, and uh, you see that in their starting lineup. So, Lucas, go ahead and hit us with their projected starting lineup. Yeah, they do have a lot of homegrown talent in the lineup, and they had a lot more in 
the minors still, and they've traded several of them. But they still got some guys too that uh, you know we may see this year or next year. Um, but yeah, starting to top the lineup, you got Dustin Pedroia leading off. That may not be the case, but from looking at this lineup, that seems to be the best option. Um, he's been their longtime second baseman. They uh, uh, Pedroia now is the elder statesman of the team. Um, they have Xander Bogarts in the two hole. Mookie Betts batting third. Hanram DHN. Uh, you know, I think Hanley Ramirez, without having to worry about playing defense, uh, you know, I think he could be a, a, a good replacement for David Ortiz. He's not going to be Ortiz, but Hanram, you know, solid hitter. Always has been. Pablo Sandoval lost a lot of weight playing good baseball this spring. They just recently named him their starting third baseman, so. Uh, he's back. Uh, Mitch Moreland, they signed him. He's going to play a little first base. Former Texas Ranger great. Yep. And, uh, you know, rounding out the lineup there, you got uh, Andrew Benatendi, known for his Benny Bombs at the University of Arkansas. Oh. Uh, so he was their second uh, highly touted prospect behind Moncada, so now he's their top prospect. I, th- I think he still has rookie status, so look for him as rookie of the year candidate. Uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. broke out last year. JBJ, we've heard about him for three or four seasons now. Thanks, Simmons. Had a good uh, had a good season last year. He'll be man in center field and catching. They have uh, Sandy Leone, kind of broke out a little bit last year. They also have Blake Swihart that can, uh, uh, well, he might be playing some outfield. I think they've been practicing him in outfield, but he did catch for a while. and Because uh, I think they're trying him in outfield because they also have Christian Vasquez who was a highly touted catching prospect for a while, dealt with some injuries. So he's trying to work his way back up into regular playing time in the majors. Um, Their one utility guy who just everyone just loves is Brock Holt. He was an all-star. Yeah, and he plays everywhere. He don't have a solid position. He literally will play any position on the infield and will play in the corner outfield. Uh, and then they also signed Chris Young, who uh, will get you know some replacement bats in the outfield a couple days off uh, for some of their uh, you know Mookie Betts, JBJ, some guys like that, Andrew Benatendi. So you know they got a pretty decent bench, and they got you know they got a heck of a lineup. I read that no one's projected to hit 30 home runs in their lineup, but I think Mookie Betts can, Benatendi can. And Hanram is more than capable of doing that. But I think they have a lot of guys that are going to hit, you know, between 15 and 20 home runs. Yeah, and uh, I wanted to talk about how it seems like uh, Hanley Ramirez is slowly transforming into Manny Ramirez. He's got the big dreads going right now. He was playing left field last year. He's put on a little weight. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) he's like slowly just transforming into Manny Ramirez. I think he is. Which is not a bad thing for the Red Sox because no. Manny Ramirez is, was one of the better right-handed hitters of all time. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, if Hanley's able to do that at the plate, too, then watch the Red Sox go. Lucas, what do you have on their uh, rotation this year? Chris Sell, huge bump for them. He's their automatic number one now. Yeah. Um, even though Rick Purcello won the Cy Young last year pitching for him. Which um, Kate Upton was super pissed off oh, about. she was so upset about I. I wish I could console her. <laughs> so, uh, you know, so David Price, who I don't know when he's going to – they had that huge scare a couple weeks ago that he was going to need Tommy John surgery. Like, he flew to Indianapolis because uh, the main Tommy John surgery guy, what's his name? Andrews. Uh, Dr. Uh, James Andrews. Yeah, 
he was at, up there doing medicals for NFL prospects during the Combine, so David Price had to meet him in Indianapolis. And him and his protege decided that David Price did not need Tommy John surgery. He just needed some rest. So uh, David Price, uh, he'll be back at some point, and he'll, you know, he's the number one guy that may be their third best pitcher right now. I don't think Rick Porcello is truly better than him, but I'm just saying that, uh, you know, Porcello does have that Cy Young on his resume now. So they're still, they're not, even without David Price, they still have a good rotation. Because they got Drew Pomeranz, who if he stays healthy, he's okay. They gave up a, a good prospect for him. Eduardo Rodriguez was another high prospect for the Red Sox that day. Uh, he hasn't quite lived up to his billing yet, but he's still young. Sometimes with these pitchers, you got to give them time. And they got a knuckleballer named Stephen Wright, who, uh, you know, he pitched pretty good last year. They really didn't expect him to break camp and stuff, but they needed him. And you know what? He produced last year. So the Red Sox, they have a long history with knuckleballers going back to Tim Wakefield. So Oh, I love Tim Wakefield back in the day. Uh, is Rodriguez a righty or a lefty? You know, I'm not sure. I think he's a righty, though. But uh, Pomerantz is lefty, correct? Yes. And then Salem Price. Salem or, Price so. so that's a lefty heavy. They do have a lefty heavy lineup, which, yeah. I don't know. That's okay, I guess. I mean, you're not going to. You're not going to be pissed off that Chris Sale's a lefty when he's on your oh, team. Yeah. I mean, man, Chris Sale is the best pitcher in the league to never win a Cy Young award, let me tell you. Yeah. This might be the year because he's going to have a solid offense behind him. Yeah, and uh, what does that bullpen look like behind the starters? Well, they got Craig Kimbrell from uh, the Padres, uh, who, and they gave up Manuel Margot for him. And... Uh, so it, that was a good trade for both teams because the Padres weren't going anywhere and the Red Sox needed a closer. They also traded for Tyler Thornburg. Um, they traded Travis Shaw for him. Thornburg's going to be their setup man. Um, Joe Kelly's still around, former Cardinal great. Yeah, Joe and, Kelly. And uh, so, you know, their bullpen, not bad. They traded for Fernando Abad last year from the Twins who pitched really well. He's having a rough spring, but they're hoping that uh, – he can figure it out and contribute to this Red Sox team. Um, so speaking of Joe Kelly, it made me think of uh, Alan Craig, another former Cardinal great who is currently on the AAA roster. And Paul for, Tuckett. In, uh, yeah. Uh, for the Red Sox, who this is the last year they have him under control. They're paying him $11 million. That's what Alan Craig is Holy owed this year. Cow. Um, he hasn't played in the majors very much since that trade. Uh, man, who did the Red Sox send? That the was Cardinals? John Lackey. That was John Lackey trade. And people were just bashing the Cardinals for trading Alan Craig. Fantastic and Joe trade for the Cardinals. At oh the time. yeah, but no, uh, it was a fantastic trade for the Cardinals all the way through. But people were. Like, there was a USA Today article about how the Cardinals' front office was unraveling because they I traded. remember that. They had, like, team meetings and stuff about, you know, I don't know. That, yeah, and that ended up being, you know, they got two years out of John Lackey, who threw fantastic. Yeah, they and, got him cheap that second year because of that clause in his contract. Yeah, and then, you know, Joe Kelly's thrown out of the bullpen, and Alan Craig's making $11 million in AAA. Right, so that's $11 million off the Cardinals' book. And trust me, the Red Sox are ready for that money to come off of uh, of their books. It's an overarching theme that these teams, the Cubs, the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Dodgers, they're all trying to get back below the luxury tax line. 
Um, the Cubs just barely went over it last year. They're trying to stay under it this year because with the new collective bargaining agreement, the more you've been over it and the how much more you're over it and as long as you've been over it, really factor into the draft picks you give up from signing guys and your international free agent spending money. Wow. So the Red, the Dodgers, Red Sox, Yankees, all trying to get under it again. That $11 million is a huge deal um, for them. Just like the Cubs, they finally got Edwin Jackson off the books. Last year was the last year they were paying him. Uh, they owe like $15 million to Miguel Montero this year, and then he's a free agent. So you still got some dead money on some of these teams. And the Dodgers, we've already talked about how much dead money they have. So, the you know, the Red Sox, they got a lot of young guys that are cost-controllable, but they need that money to come off to keep them, kind of like the, the how the Cubs are, because the Red Sox are going to want to lock up Mookie Betts, who if it wasn't for a guy named Mike Trout, would have won the MVP last year for the American League. Uh, i got to throw in a Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts is from, I believe, Brentwood, Tennessee, and Nashville is our number three market in uh, for the fumbling punter still. So shout-out to all of our Nashville listeners. Hope you guys love you some Mookie Betts because I really do like him as a player. Um, so we've talked about some of the prospects the uh, Red Sox have traded. But they still have a third baseman prospect by the name of Rafael Devers. They're real high on him. He's still pretty young, but he's probably going to take over from Sandoval at some point in the future. Their number one pick last year was a pitcher named Jason Groom. Um, he needs a little seasoning, but they really like him. And they got a first baseman named Sam Travis, who they think can be, uh, you know, Mitch Moreland struggles or something. Sam Travis may come up and get a cup of coffee in the majors. And it's amazing to me that the Red Sox have been able to build up that farm system like they have, you know, because how all those guys were homegrown. They traded all these guys to get some pieces. Like, it's amazing to me that every year they're like, oh, you know, the Red Sox can trade this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. Like, holy crap, they had some good front office work on the Red Sox part. Well, I mean, think about it. It goes back a long ways, and we're seeing the the Cubs right now benefit from it too. Oh, yeah. Theo and Jet. They some of these guys are Theo's guys. I think Xander Bogarts is a Theo guy. Jackie Bradley Jr. is a Theo guy. Um but but not only that is Ben Charrington learned under Theo. Yeah. And he was the manager of GM after Theo left. So and he was the one that got fired for Dave Dombrowski. But a lot of these guys are Ben Charrington's guys too. And, you know, oh, and Pedroia, he was also a Theo guy. Yeah. But you see you see the the trickles of good front office work. Dave Dombrowski has never been known as a good scouting type of guy. He might have been in his younger years, but he's always been the guy that's just been able to negotiate big league trades, big league free agency, and that's why he needs that's why in this latter part of his career he needed teams that's had money, like Detroit and Boston. Yeah, and so Lucas, do you have anything more for us on the Red Sox, or do you want to go ahead and jump? No, I in? think they have uh, up with the Pirates and the Marlins. I think they have a top five outfield. Yeah, all together. We'll see what Benny does if he hits any Benny bombs or not. But uh, their outfield's pretty pretty good, and their infield's not bad either. Yeah, and so uh, moving on, uh, one another team that I like and Pacotas hates, and they traditionally hate them, the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, so, you know, they did lose, uh, Weeders, correct? And, uh, they were able to keep Mark Trumbo, who had a huge year last year. Huge. 
And uh, so, uh, did they get Castillo? They signed Wellington Castillo. Okay. Yeah. So uh, let's uh, let's go ahead and get into the O's lineup. Yeah, I got Adam Jones leading off. Um, just makes the most sense to me at this point. Uh, again, I got Machado batting second. We've talked about it several times. Have your best player hit second, get more at bats. Uh, in this lineup specifically, I like it. Because you don't view Davis and Trumbo as on-base guys. But not Machado is an on-base guy. A couple seasons ago, Machado made a run for, like, you know, breaking the most doubles in a season record. He didn't do it, but he was close. I think he hit, like, 60 doubles or something. Wow. So, you get him on base, get him and Adam Jones on base, and you got Davis and Trumbo to clean it up. With their, You know, they hit bombs. Uh, Chris Davis ain't going to hit 300, but... You know, he'll hit. Neither you know, is Trumbo. Neither is Trumbo. But, you know, they might combine for, you know, 80 home runs combined not out of the realm of possibility. Oh, not at all. Uh, they got Shoop, an up-and-coming second baseman. He just got finished playing with the Netherlands, who made a semifinals run in the World Baseball Classic, which um, if our uh, podcast of that didn't get all uh, messed up with some technical difficulties, I think we said Netherlands could make a decent run, and they did. We did. We um, were wrong on Israel, though. Yes, we were. They signed uh, Wellington Castillo to catch. They still got J.J. Hardy at shortstop. Um, so right now, they made a trade with the Mariners, and they got Seth Smith. And right now, I have him penciled in left field, and I have a platoon of Hyunsoo Kim, who had a major letdown season last year coming over from Japan. And Michael Bourne splitting right field. I think Bourne might be a little dinged up. But late signing after I made this lineup, they signed Pedro Alvarez back, who played for him last year. They don't really have a spot for him, so Pedro Alvarez has been practicing in the outfield since the end of last year, hoping to extend his career. Being a, you know, he's just a guy that's got a lot of power. So the Orioles are, you know, they're thinking, hey, we might play him some in the outfield. Yeah, just a platoon out there. Yeah, and they really like him. They like Pedro Alvarez. He kind of, I don't know, he kind of, I don't know if he kind of, I don't know, in Pittsburgh they got tired of him. Um, but the Orioles really like him. Buck yeah. Walter likes him, man. You know. Yeah, and now let's get over to that uh, starting pitching staff. Yeah, they're pitching. Um, well, Which, Chris Tillman may not be ready for the start of the season, but he's in a contract year, so he is going to be uh, – I think he'll be on top of his game. He had a good season last year. and uh, But the guy that's really – they're counting on really to break out for them this year is Kevin Gossman. He's been their guy that they've been waiting a couple years for him. They think he's finally there. You know, we've said it several times with pitching. Sometimes you got to wait. You just – the guy keeps getting better. Yeah. Um, so sometimes you just got to wait. Now they think this is the year that he really comes through. And they honest to God need him to. Because they got, I mean, they signed Gallardo last year, but they ended up flipping him to the Mariners. Um, so, you know, they also got Wade Miley, um, Dylan Bundy, and Ubaldo Jimenez to round out that rotation. Ubaldo Jimenez had one good half season in his career <laughs> for the Rockies where he won like he went like 13-0 and before the All-Star break. Yeah. And then hasn't made good since. But he parlayed that into a huge contract. So, whatever. Yeah, I mean, I would love to Keep have three good months. Paychecks. Yeah, I'd love to have three good months and parlay that into $50 million. Dylan Bundy has been one of their top pitching prospects for years now. They oh, my Lord. I feel, like, I feel like we've been talking about Dylan Bundy for like 10 well, years Well, they're ready now. for him to put up or shut up. So, 
Hopefully this is the year for him. Their bullpen, man, you got it's a good bullpen. You got Zach Britton locking down that ninth inning. He took a, you know, Showalter got a lot of slack last year for oh, not yeah. pitching him in that wild card game. But Zach Britton's as good as they come. He didn't only allow, like, what, one run last year? Yeah. Something like it that. It was ridiculous. Um, then they got Darren O'Day and Brad Brack, two solid relievers setting him up. So they can shorten their games to six innings. They only need six innings out of their starters with them three guys. And I'll say that's where Buck Showalter has been so good since he's been in Baltimore. Uh, they've never had like a great star- starting pitching staff the whole time he's been there. But they have won. They've gone to the postseason. And, I mean, props to Buck Showalter for being able to do well, that. Well, um, interesting factoid that – Anthony said on your NBA show when you guys kind of got a little bit of baseball, um, the team that's won the most games the last five years in the American League, it's the Baltimore Orioles. Yeah. So thanks for that little fun fact, Anthony, because I was going to guess the Tigers or the Rangers. Um, so, you know, you got uh, Buck Showalter's great manager. And, and there's just a little side note that has much to do about nothing um, about the Orioles that I, I want to share is at one point, they had what they thought were several young starters for their rotation. Is Chris Tillman, Zach Britton, Tommy Hunter, Jake Arrieta, and I'm missing one. Um, them were the, actually the top four guys, though. Britton, Arietta, Tillman, Tommy Hunter, and... Man, I know I'm missing one. I'm sorry, guys. But just them four guys alone, they were like super-duper prospects, like... Oh man, the Orioles are going to turn these guys in. Oh yeah, that's what they have, and it, none of them worked out for them. It's starting. Chris Tillman's been a marginal starter at best. He had his best season last year, and he's already hurt going into this year. Britton, whatever, he turned into a phenomenal closer. Sometimes, hey, take what you can do. He's going to make a good career out of that and get paid for it. So yeah, I mean that's how that's what Wade Davis has done in his career, right? So I mean, you know, you get a good manager though. That works the pitching staff. That's why I'm confident about the Colorado Rockies because Bud Black knows how to work a pitching staff. So yeah, uh, uh, oh man, we're still we're in we're the still on the Rockies. We're still on the Rockies. Yeah, but I, I just want to say that don't be surprised if the Orioles make a run at the Red Sox. Definitely a wild yeah. spot. Yeah, Bucks the man. Uh, so do you have anything more as far as prospects or the bench? They goes? don't have. They don't have. They have thin minor leagues. They got a guy named. Hunter Harvey and Cody Sedlock is starting pitching prospects. Uh, don't look for him this year, I don't think. Okay. So let's get on to the Toronto Blue Jays. So as we all know, Edwin Encarnacion is gone to Cleveland, and they were able to sign Kendry Morales away from the Kansas City Royals to kind of fill that DH spot. And uh, our boy, Marcus Stroman, uh, pitched the hell out of that World Baseball Classic Championship game. So, uh, Lucas, what do you got on Toronto? Well, I severely underrated them, I think, when I was first filling this out. Because I go back and I look at this team and I'm like, I don't hate it. It's clearly so much better with Edwin Encarnacion. But if Kendry Morales can provide 65-70% of him... I think they'll survive if they get a full healthy season out of Jose Bautista. Um, last year he was kind of dinged up, so he's looking for – I think he's got a chip on his shoulder because he didn't get paid like he wanted to. So, you know, he's hit 50 home runs before. Maybe he does it again. I don't know. But uh, right now I got Devin Travis as starting second baseman batting leadoff. Troy Tulowitzki batting second. Josh Donaldson. 
great player. Oh, yeah. Donaldson, one of the top third. Third baseman is really a position in baseball right now that is just so stacked that we need to take a step back and appreciate it. Yeah. Honestly. You got Donaldson, Bryant, Arenado. Machado. Machado. Uh, I mean, and there's several more that are are good. But these are good young guys that, I mean, Donaldson's the oldest of the group, but he's just entering his prime. Um, so he's a great guy to have there at your three spot. He won an MVP over over uh, Mike Trout one year. I'm not sure that should have happened, but it did. You got Joey Bats at fourth, Morales fifth, Russell Martin catching. He's a Canadian. He loved being in Toronto. Good solid catcher. Uh, used to catch for uh, the Pirates, the Dodgers. I think he even caught for the Yankees. Yeah, he club, did. Didn't he? Uh, right now, they got Justin Smoke at first base, who is supposed to be the next big thing in Seattle and never really yeah. lived up to it. Kevin Pillar in center, Ezekiel Carrera in the outfield. But I should also say they have Dalton Pompey, who can play the outfield. Melvin Upton Jr. Um, could play the outfield. The Steve character Pierce formerly known as B.J. Yes, Upton. B.J. Upton, also known as Melvin Upton. Um they have Ryan Goings, who contributed last year. Darren Barney could make the club. I don't think he will, but he won a gold glove one year for the Cubs. Uh, so their lineup, not as good as it was, but honestly, it still is a good lineup. Uh, so, mm, you know, I think the bread and butter of this team this year, though, is going to be this rotation. I'm looking at it, and I love it. At first, I hated it, but... Devin Aaron Sanchez last year they had him on an innings and pitch limit which we both hate we've which stated we that both before hate. but man can that kid throw yeah stud then last year J.A. Happ won 20 games for him yeah so I got him started as their second guy I mean I got Sanchez opening the opening day but I don't think they're going to do that but you know just kind of talent wise Stroman is probably better than J.A. Happ but he did win 20 games so, yeah you know so you got Sanchez, Hap, Marcus Stroman, Marco Estrada, and in their five hole they got Francisco Liriano, who they traded for the Pirates last year. So I mean, anytime you got Francisco Liriano as your five your five hole guy, man, that guy used to just kill the Cardinals. Yeah, he's he's good. He kind of faltered some last year, but let's give him the benefit of the doubt and just say, man, this lineup's pretty good. And their bullpen's not bad either. They got Osuna closing again, who was closing last year, like twenty one years old or something. Wow. They got Jason Greeley, who had a couple good seasons with the Pirates. You he, know, did. he might be a good, a good you know lead a, lead. A... Did they sign him over from the Angels? That's where he really? went after Pittsburgh, right? No, the Braves, and I think he blew the his leg out. I think he's coming oh, okay. back from an Achilles injury. So you don't really know what you get. They signed Joe Smith, who was with the Angels last year. The Cubs traded for him, and they ended up cutting him before the season ended. J.P. Howe from the Dodgers, Mike Bolsinger from the Dodgers. They made a trade last year and got him. So they got a couple of good arms in the bullpen. Um, they got, uh, I don't, I like I said, I underrated this team, but now I now I'm under the impression that they can compete. I don't know if they're as good as the Red Sox, but I think they'll be right up there with the Orioles, um, fighting for a wild card spot, maybe a couple games back from number one. So, <coughs> excuse me. I saw the other day that who was the other half of the uh, of the uh, Josh Donaldson trade? He's a Canadian third base. Brett Lowry. The White Sox released Brett Lowry. 
how bad was that Josh Donaldson trade on the athletics part? And how much did the Blue Jays just absolutely destroy them in that trade? The A's have made some very questionable trades the last couple of years. Right now, they could be starting Josh Donaldson at third and Addison Russell at shortstop. Oh. I don't know who their short – well, I do know who their shortstop and third baseman is right now, but I tell you it's not as good as Addy and Josh. That's so, crazy. I, I mean, mean, I don't know what Billy Bean was thinking about that. I understand his trading Addison Russell to get Smarja and Jason Hamill. Yeah. I understand that because they also traded for John Lester that year. They were trying to, you know, they lost that extra inning game to the Royals in the wild mm-hmm. card. So I understand Billy Bean doing that, and I like it. But, man, when you look back on things, hindsight's twenty twenty. Donaldson and Addison Russell look pretty damn good on the left side of the infield. Yeah, and uh, so do you have anything more for us on the good old Blue Jays? Yeah, they got some prospects of note. They got Lourdes Gurriel, who is Ulysses Gurriel's brother, who just signed with the Astros last year from Cuba. And his brother came over and chose the Blue Jays over the Astros. They also have Bo Bichette in the system, who is Dante Bichette's son. Oh, and we got Dante Bichette in on our NL West podcast. Yes, and they have former Montreal Expos great Vladimir Guerrero's son, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I love it. So I hope he's, I hope he's, uh, you know, two thirds the player his dad was, because that means he's going to be an everyday starter and oh, we yeah. get some more. Vladimir Guerrero in our life because Vladdy was one of my favorite players ever. Yeah, he absolutely was. So I, I like the Blue Jays more after listening to that as well. I do too. And the other day when I was going through these notes again, I looked at the team and I'm like, I think I'm underrating them. Um, the key for the Blue Jays this year is going to be health. Yeah, they got to have it. If they get a full season out of Tulo and Bautista, who are their two main health question marks, and of course, all their starters, they need to stay healthy. But oh, yeah. They got the players to make a, a run. They really do. Yeah. So now let's move on to the team that America loves to hate, including myself, the New York Yankees. So the Yankees, you know, are kind of in this weird in-between place. They uh, Alex Rodriguez uh, retired in, like, the middle of August last year. Uh, they're still paying him, like, $30 million. Uh, Tashera's gone. Tashera's retired now. They traded Brian McCann. Yeah. So a lot, uh, kind of a changing of the guard in New York. They did get Araldis Chapman back after that World Series run with the Cubs, and they got Matt Holiday to play DH from the Cardinals, which is probably a good place for him. He uh, he's always been a less than questionable outfielder. But uh, so, what do you got for us on the Yankees, Lucas? <clears throat> I love the Yankees' moves from the last year, and I think they still have more moves to come. Um, so I'm just going to start with their lineup, what how it should be constructed right now. Um, Brett Gardner leading off, playing left field. Jacoby Ellsbury, center field. You could flip them, too. I don't think it matters at this point. Uh, Gary Sanchez batting third. Holiday fourth, DHing. Starlin Castro fifth, playing second. Um, when I made this, it was before D.D. Gregorius got hurt. It's shortstop. So now I'm not sure who's going to play shortstop. They said that they weren't going to bring up one of their their stud uh, minor league shortstop. They have two um, that are going to be really good. I don't think they're going to bring them up. I think they're going to stop Gaggett with maybe a trade for Nick Ahmad or somebody until Gregorius is ready. Um, they got Chase Headley at third. 
Greg Bird at first, Aaron Hicks in right field. Um, I do have to say they did sign Chris Carter, but I think Greg Bird has outperformed him so far, and it should be his full-time job. Um, Chris Carter, you know, they got him real cheap, so, hey, you need a, a day off Greg Bird, you need a day off Matt Holliday, Chris Carter coming in DH. And they got just another guy on their bench who may take over for Aaron Hicks. Um, he's had a pretty good spring. Aaron Judge, huge prospect for them. Lots of power. They really like what they have in Judge and Bird, and Sanchez for that matter. So yeah, Sanchez really just that's the, exploded onto the scene. That's the heart they're hoping to get with just, you know, they're hoping, you know, by the start of next year, maybe San- Sanchez, Judge, and Bird batting 3-4-5 in just a new murderer's row, really. Um, but, but they also have made several trades that brought in some good uh, prospects, like Clint, Clint Frazier. They got in the Andrew Miller trade. Um, Did he he's have the crazy ready. ass red hair? He had hair. the red hair okay. that he just cut. Uh, he was kind of leaving long or something, but I think Matt Holliday talked him into cutting it and yes. kind of mentoring him. Uh, like I said, I think that's an outdated rule, but it mostly is just applies to just the Yankees and anywhere Don Mattingly's at. Uh, they got Gleyber Torres in the Araldis Chapman trade. He was the Cubs' top prospect. He won an MVP. I don't know if it's the Arizona Fall League MVP or the Caribbean Series MVP or something. But he, they were looking at him, and you know the Cubs were projecting him out to be ready by uh, maybe 2019, 2018 at the earliest. But there's several scouts that think he could play now. But he's only 19 still. He's about to turn 20. So wow. The Yankees have him, and he's going to be their new Jeter. Um, I you know, whatever. I think he's going to be their long-term shortstop. I think he's that good. But they also have another shortstop that they had before Torres named Jorge Matteo. And he's highly touted too. So I think ultimately what's going to happen is have Torres and Matteo playing shortstop in second base. Um, I don't know which one will be where, but I think that's their ultimate plan, Um, which means Starlin Castro probably getting traded at some point. I also think Gardner and Ellsbury would be traded if anybody wants them for anything because that will open up the infield. They really like Aaron Hicks, but Aaron Judge is a little bit, got more power. So, I mean, they got to open up a spot for Clint Frazier, who's almost ready. They got Torres and Matteo, who's almost ready. And then they have, on the pitching side for prospects, well, we'll get to them after we go through the line, the rotation right now. Yeah and, the yeah, and, you know, the top of their rotation is Marishano Tanaka. Uh, then they have Michael Pineda. Cece uh, is back. He is still around. He yeah. has fought his demons. Uh, apparently, he was an alcoholic. Yeah, and uh, liked to get in fights in Toronto. Isn't that where all that, all that went something, down? I'm not sure. He was drinking whiskey and working out at the same time or something, <laughs> which CC doesn't look like he works out, but yeah. he might. Maybe it's because he's drinking whiskey while he's working out. Maybe it's because he's, he's drinking whiskey out. while he's working out. Then they have Chad Green, uh, Brian Mitchell, Adam Warren, who came over in the Chapman trade, Chapman trade I which thought originally so. he came to the Cubs in the Castro trade. And then the Cubs traded him back to the Yankees during the... The Yankees loved him. And he performed better with the Yankees than he did with the Cubs. But the the Cubs, he was kind of a swing man. Got a spot start here and there. Pitched a lot in the 6th, 7th inning. 
Yeah, but uh, and then they have uh, Lucas. I'll let you say his uh, name. Louis Sessa. Louis Sessa. And he's trying to break the starting line, this, the starting rotation. Yeah, and so you know it's not in the transition year. That's not the worst pitching staff to have. No, it's not. And I think honestly, if they not able to trade some of their older guys here, like Gardner, Ellsbury, Holiday, Castro, I still think these guys can produce enough with the young guys like Sanchez, Judge, and Bird. With this pitching staff, especially the bullpen, I think, you know, I don't think a wild card spot's out of the realm of possibility. Yeah. They couldn't, but I think the ideal world for the Yankees, and the media will never let them say this. They always make it feel like the Yankees have to win or they're letting New York down. But I think the ideal scenario for them is to be able to trade these guys, get more prospects, and let some of their younger guys get some seasoning. Yeah, um, and then make a big run at that 2018 man, free that, agency class. Uh, they get yeah they got a lot of they're gonna have a lot of money able to spend, um, but in the bullpen you got Chapman closing it out, those 104 miles an hour, Dellen Betances, he should be a closer somewhere, but in this case he's gonna be set up for Chapman. They got Tyler Clippard and uh, for their seventh inning guy, they got Luis Severino who they tried to make a starter last year he really failed so they think they're gonna be able to get something out of him in the bullpen. And late signing in spring training was John Neese. He, uh, you may remember him from the Mets and the Pirates last year. He, uh, he's a lefty. He had surgery, so he's not going to be ready to start the season. But I always liked him. He always seemed to be, you know, he's probably a league average type pitcher. Yeah. But, you know, he's a tall lefty that can get some innings for you. So I think in this kind of the transition year for the Yankees, he's just a good signing to see what you can get out of him. Yeah, and uh, so the Yankees all being all after all said and done, you know they're probably going to try to move a couple of guys, but they they may if and they're if in the they hunt, don't, they still have the prospects ready to have a a super team in a couple of years, especially if they sign Machado or Bryce Harper or something. Oh yeah, no doubt. Uh, for starting pitching prospects, they, Justice Sheffield also came over in the Andrew Miller trade um, with Clint Frazier from the Indians. Um, you know, I want to say it's related to Gary Sheffield, but I don't think it's his son. Is that his son? Uh, I would have to look it up. I don't know for sure. Um, but he's a starting pitching prospect. They also have Albert Abreu, who's a good starting pitching prospect. And they have James Caprillion, who is a good starting pitching prospect. So they have some guys they like um, in the minors for their starting rotation. They got some guys in the minors they like to be on their future team. It's not hard to envision their future team of uh, Mateo, Torres, Sanchez, Judge, Bird, Clint Frazier. And I mean, Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper. You know, Chess Headley's deals up after uh, 2018, so maybe Manny Machado. I mean, it, it, the Yankees could literally have a murderer's row again. Um, oh yeah, it's not out of the realm of possibility. So the Yankees are one of the teams this year, though, that don't sleep on Joe Girardi's team. Joe Girardi's always prepared. I was reading a story about him the other day. He is a very serious manager who he doesn't miss a detail. He uh, hopefully the Yankee. This is his last season in the contract. Hopefully they extend him um, because I think he does work well with young players too. Yeah, and. Uh... So, good for the Yankees kind of getting on the old rebound, uh, boosting up that farm system. Now let's get to the Yankees' little brother down in Tampa. 
I say that just because uh, the boss had so much of right. his yeah. stuff down there in yeah. Tampa. So the Rays this year, you know, they had a pretty rough go of it in 2016, and uh, they – Looking to bounce back, what do you think about their chances of bou- bouncing back this year? I like their chances to bounce back some. I really do. I Again, I, they're not going to win 100 games. But if they win 85 games, I don't think I'm going to say, holy crap, the Tampa Bay Rays won 85 games. I think I'll just say they had a pretty good season. I think that's where Pocotas had them, in fact. Well, I mean, I can see it. I'm looking here at their pitching and some of their – some of their hitting, I, they could do it. Yeah, so I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll jump in on this uh, lineup. Uh, Nick Franklin at first base. And I think he's going to split time with Logan Morrison, too. Right now, I think uh, they're kind of splitting time, but one of them could run away with the job. Oh, yeah. And uh, so then Kevin Kiermeyer, who is a terrific defensive center fielder. Yeah, they're hoping his bat keeps maturing, but they didn't stop him from signing with a long-term deal uh yesterday or the day before so yeah they got him with decent money the face of the franchise evan longoria hitting third supposedly pissed off about the logan forsyth trade but i think they've got him calmed down what did they get back in that deal uh jose de leo oh, okay i mean that's a good i think that's a fair that's a good that's return a pretty fair deal yeah yeah and then uh hitting behind him looks like it's going to be brad miller the second baseman uh, Matt Duffy playing shortstop, who came over in the Matt Moore trade, if I he remember correctly. Played third for the for the Giants, but the uh, Rays think he can play shortstop. Okay, and then they have Corey Dickerson at DH. Uh, Stephen, how do you say that last name? Souza. Souza, in the outfield. Colby Rasmus, former oh, Cardinal, Cardinal great, great. Uh, making a comeback in Tampa. He was in Houston the last Houston couple of years. Houston last couple of years, yeah. yeah. he had that nasty-ass long uh, hair. 2015, Houston offered him a qualifying offer, and Kobe Rasmus says, I'll take that money because he wasn't getting it on the open market, and this year proved so. Yeah. Because I know the Rays did not pay Kobe Rasmus qualifying offer money. Oh, no. And then uh, catching they is... They got Kurt Casilli yep. catching until Wilson Ramos recovers from his ACL injury. Oh, okay. They signed him formerly of the Nationals. Blew his leg out last year right before the playoffs started. Um, so he he's they're projecting him to be back. You know, maybe swinging the bat by May, but they think it may be June or so before he starts catching again. Yeah. And then talk about that bench a little bit, Lucas. That bench, um, not a bad bench. Uh, if Nick Franklin's not playing first base, it'll be Logan Morrison. They'll either be on the bench, um, whichever one's not playing. Interestingly, they traded Drew Smiley to the Mariners for Malik Smith, who was starting for the Braves in center field last year. Now, uh, Malik Smith... uh, Wait, I'm sorry. Is this Malik's like Alex Smith with an M in front of it? Yeah, I'm not sure. On TV, it sounds like they're saying Alex. I don't know if the M is silent or not, to be honest. Maybe Alex Smith just has a summer job. Maybe, but I don't know. He spells his name with an M. So, but interesting note on him is he was only a Mariner for about forty-five minutes. Um, the huh. Mariners traded. You know, I don't remember who they traded to the Braves, but I do know Smith headlined that trade, and then the Mariners immediately flipped him for Drew Smiley. So I feel like the Braves might have been like, "Well, shit, we should have <laughs> we should have just traded him for Drew Smiley because they could have used Drew Smiley in their oh, rotation." Yeah. So, uh, you know, 
Malik Smith may actually get to play, uh, you know, he may play some outfield over Colby Smith or Steven Souza or, you know, I don't know. They got, it might be trade bait. Who knows? Um, Do I see Ricky Weeks' name making Ricky an appearance? Ricky Weeks made camp. I don't know if he'll make the team, but he was invited to to uh, try to make the team. I least. never thought Ricky Weeks got good love. No, man, you remember him and J.J. Hardy for the Brewers were, that was a pretty decent little uh, yeah. up the middle of the infield there uh, back when the Brewers heyday and they was winning games. Yeah. Uh, you know, moving on here, I guess getting to the, the starting rotation, that's a pretty decent starting rotation. Chris Archer, Jake Odorizzi, Alex Cobb, Matt Andreese, Blake Snell, who's a high prospect, and Jose De Leon's trying to break into the Major League Club this year. Who came over in that Forsyth trade, one of the top prospects from the Dodgers. So, uh, you know, that's a good, solid rotation. It is, and I mean that's kind of what any year that Tampa's had success, they've had a good starting rotation. Yes, and the thing is, they get to pair it with a good uh, bullpen too this year. They got Alex Colome closing. They got Erasmo Ramirez, who I just read. Uh, yesterday is on the trading block. They're thinking he can be a uh, starting pitcher or reliever. They're thinking he may be the first of the Rays to be traded this year. Um, Brad Boxberger closed for him a couple years ago after Jake McGee left. They got Danny Farquhar. Sean Tolleson used to close a little bit for the Rangers. And uh, Tommy Hunter, who used to play for the Orioles. Yeah, the who Cubs. we just talked we about. We just talking about him. So he's getting a chance again to make the team in uh, Tampa. Uh, so, I mean, again, going over this team, the offense, it's not going to kill you. Their pitching could be pretty good. Um, when Wilson Ramos comes back, if he bats like he did last year, that's really going to give Evan Longoria some protection because I'm not seeing a lot of protection for him right now. Maybe Dickerson, maybe Rasmus can hit a few dingers. Duffy maybe can. But right now, Evan Longoria, you know, he's probably going to hit about 30 home runs. He could use a little help. He's kind of out on an island. Yeah. And, you know, but... You you put that Rays pitching staff with the Colorado Rockies lineup. That's like the 2001 Seattle Mariners. Yeah. I mean, that's how good I think this lineup, this rotation can be. Don't get me wrong. Chris Archer had a shitty year last year, but 2015, he was solid. Jake Odorizzi had a decent year last year. Alex Cobb did not pitch very well last year, but he only threw, I don't know, seven games after he came back from Tommy John. So now he's got five more months of recovery and and tooling on it. And he's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. Theo's already came out and said he's interested in Alex Cobb. So I don't know if they make a trade this year or if he just tries to go after him in free agency next year. Blake Snell, young, good. He got a cup of coffee last year. I picked him up in fantasy for a couple starts. He did okay. And DeLeon, he's going to be, you know, they're going to have six years of Major League control of him, so they're hoping he turns out the way uh, he was touted to. Yeah, he was highly touted prospect for the Dodgers for quite a while before that trade. They, they're, And, again, their top prospects are DeLeon, Willie Adames at shortstop, Brent Honeywell, and uh, Jake Bowers at the uh, outfield. Um, so they've got a few guys that we may see this year. I mean, they don't really have any barn burners in the outfield. They just got, you know, veteran major league guys. So we may they may call up some of their young guys if they really tear up the majors or the minors. Yeah, and I'm see I'm I'm stealing your notes here. Uh, talking about needing a new stadium. So let's take just a minute to talk about this whole stadium situation. Do you think this could be a 
they end up having to leave Tampa over this? I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that... I don't know. They were talking about maybe that's one of the teams that goes to Montreal, which I think would then they'd have to switch to the National League because I think Montreal will want a National League team and the Braves will convert to the Expos. So I think Major League Baseball really will try to let the Expos have all their stats that they had. The Nats stuff will just revert back to their first year in Washington. And so I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'd really like to see them get a stadium and stay in Tampa and just uh, in Montreal just get an expansion team. Yeah, I haven't been down there, but I used to work with some guys that were from the Tampa St. Pete area, and they said where the Sun Life Stadium, is that the name? No. No, that's the new uh, yeah, Brave Stadium, I think. Yeah. Tropicana, ain't it? Tropicana Field, yes, you're correct. Uh, they said where Tropicana is located. It is a shitty area. Yeah, um, I'm not a civic planner for downtown or anything, but I think if you have your stadium in a good area where people want to go to and there's other things to do, I think that always makes it better because Tampa Bay don't have a lot of people show up to their games, and neither does Miami for that matter. So do people in Florida just don't like going to baseball games? Or well, what? I think it's the same thing. Uh, L.A. fills up stadiums because there's so many people between Orange County and Los Angeles, but San Diego, Tampa, uh, Miami – it's hard sell to go to a sports game when you can go to the beach anytime. There's so much to do out there and down there that it's hard to... I mean, you think about St. Louis, Kansas City, Minnesota, uh, Milwaukee. There isn't shit to do in any of those places. Wisconsin sucks. <laughs> yeah, sorry uh, Brewers fans, but uh, we, uh, that's hard truth. We went to Wisconsin, so we went to I, Milwaukee, I, and hated it. I think that it's a hard sell in a place like that. I don't know. Well, uh, the Golden Knights of Las Vegas and the NHL are really going to be telling about how Vegas can handle a pro sports team. But, uh, you know, it's hard for me to think of anywhere outside of Montreal that's just like a great, like, uh, uh, Charlotte maybe? Charlotte's maybe, pretty big. But Nashville? For po- but for political reasons, teams are shying away from it's bullcrap, but whatever. So I think Charlotte, you know, I think I think North Carolina's got a nice baseball-rich history. I think uh, that's where Mad Bum's from. Like, yeah. I think, you know, I think they, Charlotte could support a team if we just cut through the political BS. Yeah, and then uh, Nashville, uh, I think, is another just booming metropolitan area. You know, they're so close to Birmingham. Uh, the the metro there is pretty good size as well. Yeah, because there's not really a good southern team between Houston and Atlanta. Yeah, it's like Houston, Atlanta, St. Not Louis even a make pro a team. huge like the Saints if you want that. But for baseball, you got that whole. I mean, you put a team in Nashville, you could probably get you get your Tennessee fans, Kentucky fans, maybe, uh, maybe probably, Arkansas would like them. Maybe well, you Mississippi. Take, uh, Northern Arkansas, both halves of the state are pretty hard into uh, Cardinals, but well, they'd probably change if they had another choice. Well, Nashville's no closer than St. Louis for a lot of them. Uh, I was thinking like Northeast Mississippi. Well, we definitely get that. Maybe Alabama. Yeah. I just think you know. Well, I mean, it's get... only a couple hour drive from Nashville into Birmingham, and Birmingham's right. a pretty good sized city itself. Right. So I mean, Nashville—that's an interesting option. I think obviously, if they expand, though, you want to put a team more out west and you want a team because Montreal is going to get a team. Montreal is getting a team. So we're either talking relocation plus expansion or something else because I don't think they're going to put two teams east of the Mississippi. 
I think they want another. Honestly, they, what they need is another mountain time zone team, but there's not really a good place to put one. Where are you going to put them? Albuquerque? Oh, maybe. <laughs> I don't think that's smart, but there, there's not another good place for them. But yeah. it would be nice for scheduling and stuff to just have one American League mountain time zone team. Yeah, that's just hard unless you want, like, the Casper Wyoming Major League Baseball team. Right, which Wyoming's got, like, half a, you million, know, like people. Half a million people, so good luck. Yeah, you're we're you more need, likely to get you a need baseball team in your, Springfield. Yeah, you need 10% of your total population to come to a ball game every year, Yeah, every and, day. And uh, so, you know, I, I've thought about that. And uh, West, I mean, Vegas, uh Salt Vegas, Lake, maybe Portland. Salt Lake would be interesting. Portland, the hipsters like baseball. Yeah, they like soccer. Yeah, yeah. So, anyhow, we'll get back to the AL East with our predictions. Lucas, you want to lead off these predictions? Well, I got the Bo Sox winning ninety-eight games, which was on par with the Dodgers. I think you know, I think that's pretty accurate. Um, I had the Orioles at eighty-nine wins. I think that's probably right on par with them. They could probably win 92-93. I had the Yankees at 83 and the Blue Jays at 82. I think I'm going to bump the Blue Jays up to 90 wins. I think, I I just really do. I think they're going to win between 89 and uh, 92 games now. I got the Yankees at 83 wins. I think that is, I think they'd be happy with that. I do. Yeah, and I'm not so high on the Yankees in particular. Uh, you still have, and I have the Rays at 80 wins, so they're going to be right around 500. And you know, again, like I said earlier, if they win 85, 86 games, I'm not going to fall over shocked. But mm, I don't know if I see it at this point. I have the Red Sox uh, winning the division at 95 and 67, uh, Baltimore at 88 and 74, Toronto at 84 and 78. Tampa at 79 and 83, and I actually have the Yankees coming in dead last at 74 and 88. That could happen. Like I said with the Yanks, I think their best case scenario is some team, some contender getting an outfield injury and like, shit, we'll take Brett Gardner, or someone needing a utility infielder. uh, Starling Castro, let's take him. Chase Headley, I don't think he's going to get traded. I think he's terrible, but... He could. So the Yankees still got some guys they wish they could trade, and they may still trade. Um, I, for the I, At this point, they may not even be looking for stud prospects. They might be looking for marginal guys and just to get rid of some money. Even if they have to eat half contracts, that's still half the less money they owe. So, Yeah. So that has been the American League East. Uh, four down, two divisions to go. For Lucas Jones, I am Devin Keeney. This has been the Fumbling Punters AL East Preview.